This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Hi there, hockey fans. I'm Paul Bruno, and I'm joined by my co-host, AJ Scholes, hosting RotoWire's hockey podcast show. The World Cup continues, AJ, to build to a climax with a surprise participant in the finals. We certainly expected Canada to get there, but Team Euro, which was maligned at the outset by every pundit that I heard, uh, probably got motivation from the lack of regard in the hockey media. Uh, I wonder what your thoughts are on that, and uh, more particularly, close to home for you, the disappointing showing from the USA, and of course, the Russian hockey team didn't deliver the goods either. Yeah, I'll definitely count myself in among the uh, the people there that kind of wrote off Team Europe at the start. Um, didn't look like they were going to gel, but they definitely uh, came together, have looked great down the stretch here. Uh, for Team USA, I, I think John Tortorella's got to go. Um, I'm pretty convinced he sat his blue jacket guys uh, against Canada just to avoid them getting injured. Uh, the entire team just seemed lost from the onset. And, and that all starts with the bench boss there. Um, I'm not sure what the answer is for Russia. They've kind of tried everything. Uh, they went a little KHL heavy uh, in Sochi for the Olympics. And then this time they went more more NHL focused uh, for the World Cup, but there just seems to be something missing for those guys, um, and they just uh, you know their inability to close out games I think is holding them back. Well, Phil Kessel sure didn't hold back in his comments. I don't know if you saw the tweets, but that started a bit of a firestorm around the team, and uh, there were a couple other players that spoke out on on his comments and other related issues. But uh, you you implied that uh, Columbus Blue Jackets coach was calling out his players out and uh, you see guy a couple of guys got hobbled here during the course of this uh, this series that's not yet over the final will commence tomorrow uh, tonight as a matter of fact uh, Tuesday being Tuesday and uh, one of the things uh, that concerns me is star players getting hurt at stuff like this before the season even starts Marian Gabrick looks like he's going to be out for quite a while and uh, of course there's a couple other players that are dinged up and you wonder a guy like Tyler Sagan nursing an injury off the off this uh, this performance too so uh, does that make you raise a spocky and eye are you concerned about the injury factor before the season starts it could impact some of the best players in the game yeah I mean it's a concern but it's it's not a uh, not something that I, I think we should be overly worried about um you Unless know it's in, your it, favorite player or your favorite <laughs> that's true that's true as <laughs> long as Sid makes it through these next three games I'm, I'm not too concerned um but, you know, in, injuries happen. Um, you know, we've seen a couple, two guys getting dinged up in training camp as well. You know, anytime you get on the ice, um, you know, there's there's a risk of injury there. It's a it's a physical sport. That's part of the reason why we love it. Um, so I, I think the focus on it is just to put too much, you know, 
you worry about it too much. And, and that's actually, you know, if guys are worried about that, they're playing timid and that's when you're going to get hurt. Right. Good point. Good point. Well, we're going to turn our attention to the third in our series of, of division profiles. We're going to focus on the central loop, a very competitive one, AJ. And, uh, but, but once again, I want to give you credit for pumping out the podcast to all sorts of media, social media, and remind our listeners that we need their help in naming the podcast. We have to thank a number of listeners for sharing their suggestions and encourage the rest of you to please tweet them to us at uh, statsman22, that's me, and at AJ Scholes24, that's my partner AJ. The winning entry will get one month of free premium access to the RotoWire website. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of premium content that the average Joe doesn't see unless they pay for it. So a free look at it is uh, is a pretty cool deal. And uh, we've already received some pretty good names. In fact, uh, before we went on went to air, we both compared notes and we like the same same one so far as the leader. So there is one to beat. I'm not even going to name, uh, name it because I think I don't want to sway anybody in any direction. But uh, AJ, I know we've had a little bit of fun talking about it off the air. And we want to give people uh, one more week to, to try and bring their suggestions forward to us uh, via Twitter. Yeah, we've, as you mentioned, we really have some, some quality entries thus far, uh, but we're always looking for more. So, yeah, listeners out there, tweet, uh, tweet your ideas out to us or Facebook, LinkedIn. You know, we share it there as well. Uh, whatever platform works best for you. And then we'll pick a winner for that free month of access. And, you know, especially as football season's going on here, to have that, uh, that access while you're putting together your daily or, or season-long lineups is just a great, uh, great help. And that's a wonderful point and a nod to our sponsor at FanDuel. We'll get a, a promo out to them a little bit later in the show. First up, though, in the division uh, preview for the Central Loop, we're going to look at the Chicago Blackhawks, who finished third in this group last season with a 47-26-9 record before surprisingly bowing out in the first round of the playoffs. This is a team that's gone far each of the last several years and, and for my money is the first dynasty in the salary cap era. I have to wonder if we're seeing the, the crack, first cracks in this group, though, as they lost another couple of key parts in the offseason owing to cap issues. And, uh, but, but they'll still ice a formidable group of forwards that'll line up something like this. On the first unit, I see Richard Panic getting the lucky spot beside Jonathan Taves, and Marian Hosa, two veterans uh, on that front line, are very good at both ends of the ice. Tough to play against, too. Panic for his money. He came out of nowhere. He was a fourth liner in Toronto, of all places, and he found good for his good fortune. He was a good mix skill-wise for these guys on the front line for a cameo late last season, and I think he's going to start out there. And he's a candidate who, who could surprise by getting as many as 20 points and maybe 20 goals and 40 points in that unit with some regular work alongside two quality players. But the second line is the one that, that is where the dynamite is here, and that's Artemi Panarin, Artem Anisimov, and Patrick Kane. The two wingers on this unit are almost mirror image of images of one another aj panarin came on as one of the top rookies last season and he really wanted to play in chicago particularly with patrick kane you could see why their skill sets match so well and uh, kane the leading scorer in the league panarin is a, one of the top scoring rookies uh, hoping to build on that stru- strong rookie season anisimov is the the dark horse here and might be a real late good late round steal in your fantasy season long drafts and uh, the third line is where things fall off a little bit are, and are an indicator of where the cracks start to show. That The quality drops off with the likes of Andrew Desjardins, Marcus Kruger, and Nick Schmaltz coming up uh, with that third unit makeup. Not anything that intimidates me or compares with what they've been able to ice in the past. What they got going for them here is that Taves is still one of the great leaders. Hosa is still one of the best two-way uh, wingers. And uh, that second line, magical with the puck, but question mark creep in beyond the top six for me aj what what are your impressions i i see what you're saying there paul with some some cracks starting to show but over the last several seasons uh doubting the hawks has really burned uh fantasy owners and opposing fans alike uh you know as you mentioned once again they find themselves retooling for salary cap reasons uh, we talked last week about uh tara Vanen getting shipped out uh as part of uh ditching brian bickle's contract uh, but at the end of the day, they still uh, should have a high-powered offense anchored by by Taves and Kane. Uh, the biggest question marks for me are whether you know Richard Panic can live up to expectations uh, after being brought over from Toronto, uh, and can uh, uh, Panarin avoid that sophomore slump after an absolutely astonishing rookie year? 
uh, that saw him cash in on over $2.5 million in performance bonuses. Uh, not a bad chunk of change for him. Uh, d- defensively, you know, that top pair, you're looking at uh, Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook. Uh, definitely one of the best pairings in the league. Uh, these guys dished out the puck to the tune of a, a combined 69 assists last year. You add in uh, Nicholas uh, Jalmerson and Brian Campbell, who can each add about 20 to 30 points. And then finally, that last pairing, uh, Michael Kempney and Trevor Van Riemsdyk. Uh, This group's one downside, I think, is that all four guys uh, on the top two pairings there are over 30. And Father Time does eventually catch up to everybody who's not Yarmir Yager. (laughs) Great point. Well, you know what? I'm wondering about that top pairing. We saw for long stretches last year where they actually split up Keith and Seabrook. They brought in Brian Campbell for some more veteran support. This guy's a quality guy who can help run the second power play, maybe take some of the pressure off Keith uh, and Seabrook in in that situation. But the guy that I think has the upside potential in this mix is Jalmerson, one of the top... uh, uh, top uh, pairing guys that will be unheralded relative to the other three and and might put up as many as 30 points maybe some power play time coming his way too that could spike those totals even more so they're looking for him to continue his development he's 29 years old where the other three guys in the top four are over 30 so you wonder if they're going to try and groom him for more of the heavy duty minutes and uh, so that might be something to watch for we turn our attention to the goalie tandem here and we see of course Corey Crawford he uh, he is a guy that ga- year in year out just seems to continue to play the 60 plus games gets the 30 35 win total and uh, is a steady eddy back there not a highlight highlight grabber by any means but he certainly solidified the goaltending situation in Chicago and he's backed by a guy who has taken the bit and run with it when Crawford's been unable to by uh, short injury absences that's Scott Darling another big bodied uh, goalie who is a pretty good guy to have in reserve there uh, what can you expect from this tandem? How do you see the split going? Is it going to be more of what we've seen in the past? I think with the emergence of Scott Darling, uh, who went 12-8-4 last year with a 2.58 uh, goals against average, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Coach Joe Quinville uh, consider resting Crawford a little bit more to keep him ready for the playoffs. You know, there's very few guys you would put ahead of Corey Crawford, so he's still going to get the lion's share of, you know, starts. Um, you know, unless you're Team Canada and you can stack a, a power pair ahead of him like they did for the World Cup. Um, you know, he, but at the end of the day, he's still a two-time Stanley Cup champion, two-time William M. Jennings award winner for fewest goals allowed. Um, and he's just an all-around fantastic keeper. But, you know, keep an eye on that as, you know, whether or not the coach there decides to uh, to rest him up a little more and keep him playoff ready. I think that's an excellent comment, AJ. Uh, up next, we look at a uh, Colorado Avalanche. This is a team that finished sixth in the division, missing the playoffs with a 500 record. They were 39-39-4. The club and their fan base was no doubt stunned by the midsummer announcement by head coach Patrick Waugh, I'll say former head coach, that he would not be returning. I've not been a fan of his me-first approach. I'll have plenty to say about that near the end of our show, uh, though he he had uh, admittedly a distinguished playing career but it's now belie- my belief that this has carried over into a checkered coaching career that uh, has caused a bit of an upset in the in the front office there in Colorado and it's something another thing that this team has to overcome in order to contend for a playoff spot but despite that upsetting development this is a roster that still boasts a lot of quality among the forward lines they'll line up something like this with uh, a couple of talented young guys matching up with uh, their old fogey on this roster, and that's Gabriel Landeskog, the captain of the club, and Nathan McKinnon, one of the rising stars in hockey. He was fabulous in, for Team North America in the preliminary round of the World Cup and looks like he's ready to really emerge to that next level of top-tier players in the league. I can see this guy being a point-of-game guy this year. And, uh, of course, uh, maybe Yarmir Yager light is Jerome Ginla, who is a guy that, that still... Uh, first line minute capacity and and as long as he's there he's going to collect 20 to 25 goals again because that's just what he does still plays a tough mean game and there's there's a lot of respect for the way he plays and so he'll get a lot of room and give a lot of room to his line mates uh, uh 
the aforementioned skilled duel. Then on the second line, they brought in Joe Colburn, who's, who's starting to make some strides as a pro. This guy's a big body and, and a skilled forward, not the speediest type guy, but really a, a good element that, that I could foresee uh, forecast being on, on the power play. The guy that goes to the front of the net, chips in some garbage goals and maybe pads his totals that way to build on a season and maybe get to his first 20-goal campaign as a pro. He'll also have the opportunity to play with dynamic Matt Duchesne at center. And Blake Como, who is an underrated player on the wing, on the right wing, he's a guy that I could peg it for a, as much as 40 points in a kind of an unsung role. Duchesne, McKinnon, those are two forwards that will flirt with the point of game mark, in my opinion. And the third line is another skilled trio of European stars. Mikhail Grigorenko, Carl Soderberg, one of the better dishing forwards that's out there. He kind of didn't find his way in Boston, but I think moving around to the Western Conference, they play more his style of game, and I could see him thriving on this roster. And then Mikko Rantanen, uh, top draft pick last year for the Colorado Avalanche. This is a guy who's in his second year hoping to make some strides and another skilled forward. Yeah, this team has, a, a as you mentioned, a unique blend of veterans uh, looking for that, that first title, uh, you know, Jerome McGinley and, and Blake Como, and then some up-and-coming talent like Landis Gog and McKinnon. Uh, one of those young guys I'm excited to see is uh, Miko Rat, uh, Uh He averaged over a point per game with AHL San Antonio uh, last year, and once he returns from a, a sprained ankle, he could slide up into that second line. Uh, if you're in a keeper or dynasty league or looking for a late-round sleeper, you might want to give this guy a good long look. And, uh, Paul, I'm not sure if you agree with me or not, but this might be one for the uh, the loony to dollar bet we have going. Um, I'll say Rantanen cracks uh, that 35-point mark and can put up over 15 goals this year. What do you think? I'm going to say I'll take the under on that one just because of the third-line minutes. But I, I do like your chances there if he does get a regular turn and maybe threatens for top six. Sure. Well, it's, I'll take you up on it. We'll, we'll settle up in Vegas this year. <laughs> um, defensively, you know, you got uh, Francois Boshima, uh, Tyson Berry, Eric Johnson, and Nikita uh, Zadorov, uh, who is a relative unknown with just 89 NHL games under his belt. And then their final pair there, Patrick Weircock and Fetter Tutin. You know, outside of Titan Berry, I think this is the biggest chink in the armor for, for this team. Uh, the bottom pairing of Weircock and Tutin is going to be shaky at best and, and at worst could give up a ton of goals if they're caught out against uh, opponents' top lines which is almost inevitable on the road when the home team has that last change. So it's so a real liability, I think, there. Yeah, I, I would agree that the defensive side of the puck is a real concern for this group. They certainly will lean on Francois Beauchemin in that regard, one of the top shutdown defensemen in hockey. He's not a guy that's going to get big points, but he seems to always reach the 10-goal mark. He's kind of like one of those 10 and 15 kind of defensemen, not a guy that's going to rate in the top 15 scorers among defensemen scoring, but... Double digits in goals is not a, not unlikely for him. A guy that I think could see a spike in goal scoring on this blue line is is Zadorov. He's partnered with Eric Johnson, formerly a, a very high draft pick a few years ago, who never really has reached his true potential. But but uh, this is an offensive minded club, and Zadorov and, and Johnson could be a pretty good offensive pairing on that second unit. Uh, Zadorov has only played 60, 89 NHL games, but. Uh, there's been there's a lot of quality in this guy's skill set and i think he could be a guy that that could blossom in in his second year as a pro uh the weirkoch tutin uh, pairing is a is a offen- another offensively gifted one tutin is undersold as one of the better puck moving guys out of his own end but it, uh, again i have the the concerns on the defensive side of the puck they're going to impact the goaltending tandem of Semyon Barlamov and Calvin Pickard. Pickard uh, slowly has entered into this picture, but make no mistake, Semyon Varlamov is the guy they're going to count on to play upwards of 60 minutes here, 60 games this season. Uh, he had a bit of a, a step backwards last year with a with a not one of the better goaltending averages in among the top 15 goal scorers, uh, goalies rather. And uh, Pickard, though, he he outperformed when you look at the goalie stats. I know you're going to get into that a little bit. Uh, I think they're going to struggle to be a top tandem just because of the quality of the D lines in front of them somehow despite playing under you know arguably one of the best goalies of all time um in Patrick Waugh Varlamov got worse uh and posted a a disappointing 2.81 goals against average and Pickard you know logged a a somewhat similar 2.56 I don't know if it's the D in front of them or not 
Um, but I don't think either netminder is, is going to approach that 30 win uh, mark this year. Well, uh, I would have to agree with you. They're in tough in this division, and that's probably going to be a, a high watermark for them if they can get there. Uh, I, I don't think they will. I agree with that assessment. Up next, uh, there is a cloud, as I mentioned. Tyler Sagan's injury kind of uh, makes me wonder about the Dallas circumstance, if he can recover uh, early on and, and not have any setbacks. But also, Jamie Benn is in that regard with, a, with the red cross beside his name at the, as the season begins. And uh, that's bad news for an offensively-minded team, uh, another offensively-minded team that was uh, at the top of this division last year with a 50-23-9 mark before being eliminated by the St. Louis Blues in the second round last year. Uh, they're going to be fun to watch, though, because they play a run-and-gun style, and they've added a, a couple of pieces in there that uh, that make me think that they're going to threaten to be one of the highest-scoring teams in the league again. The lucky guy that plays with Sagan and Ben, if they're healthy, is Patrick Sharp, no stranger to the scoring sheet, and he's a guy that could t- score as many as 30 goals on this line. That's how good a sharpshooter he is, and, and uh, Sagan and Ben will, if they're healthy, be in the top 10 scorers at the end of the year. They've threatened that in the last couple of seasons, so... Uh, it drops off a little bit after that. Naturally, it would with any club. But Jason Spezza is uh, is kind of the, almost the signature player here in Dallas for me, AJ, because he he plays the run and sc- gun style. He doesn't he, he taps the goalie on the pad at the beginning of the game and never sees him again uh, until the end for his own roster. So he loves the way they play it here, and he'll be a guy who piles up some points on the power play, getting up in years as as. Uh, a 33-year-old, but still capable of 65 to 70 points, I think, on this roster, uh, particularly with the special t- team minutes. And the guy that's going to be fun to watch here is Yuri Hoodler, who also typifies the o- offensive approach and, and is a special teams uh, uh, goldmine. Uh, he, he excelled in that role in Calgary, and I think he's going to get a shot no worse than a se- second power play guy in Dallas and maybe first line minutes. It drops off a little bit uh, to third line with uh, Cody Eves, who did get some first line minutes with uh, Sagan and Ben last year as their center. But uh, he'll be on the third line with uh, veterans Alice Hemsky and Patrick Eves. These guys are the uh, offensive uh, offense light versions of a team that's still going to see these guys get 15 to 20, 15 to 20 goals for the wingers in this case. Cody Eves is a good disher, so I see, I see a good combination here. So what's your sense of the forward talent? Yeah, you mentioned there, there is a lot of talent there. It's, it's almost surprising how, how somehow every year they seem to, to waste that when it comes to the postseason. I'm not, not entirely certain what the, you know, what the missing link is there because, yeah, that, the firepower on this team is just uh, astonishing. Um, as you mentioned, assuming they can stay healthy, uh, Ben and Sagan, along with Sharp, uh, each figure to be around that 60-point mark. Ben could be in contention for the st- scoring title. Again, a lot depends on the health there. Um, I feel like a broken record with Dallas. I, you know, We saw that a lot last year, too. Um, health concerns co- popping up and kind of holding them back a little. Uh, I think what can't be overstated about this this team and this organization is their ability to bring in veterans who can still put up solid numbers. Uh, we saw that with Sharp and Spezza, and then I do. I expect to see more of the same out of uh, the new man, Yuri Hoodler. Uh, one last guy I do want to mention is uh, Matthias Janmark. Uh, he went 15 and 14 in his rookie year, could elevate himself above uh, Cody Eves for that spot in the middle of the third line. Um, yeah, I like that call. And you know what? I, w- I want to give a nod to their general manager, Jim Nil. There's not too many guys that could pull off tr- some of the trades this guy's done to bring in some top-line talent. I mean, he traded for Tyler Sagan. He traded for Jason Spezza. You can argue that no other team in the league has traded for their top two centers. So interesting what he's done there. But uh, I know you want to take us into the defensive side of the puck. Yeah, that that's a great point, Paul. Um, they They definitely have some some quality front office people there helping uh helping him out uh defensively johnny oduya will pair up with uh with john klingberg and then you'll have dan hamhoos with uh, uh stefan johns and that last pair will be patrick uh Niemeth with uh essa lindell um you know the the d in big d is all about john klingberg uh 58 points last year including 22 with the man advantage uh, the 24-year-old did log, you know, for for defenders a, a low end, 22-41 uh, in ice time last season. But I, I look for an uptick there as he enters his third N- NHL season. You know, starting to get used to those regular minutes. 
and he could start playing, you know, time similar to what you see out of uh, Chris Letang, PK Subban. Uh, and then another guy here, just want to mention uh, difficulty is in last year for Jordy Ben uh, due to some injuries, but he could compete for regular ice time, uh, signed a three-year extension over the summer and could find his way, you know, onto those deep pairings. You know what? I, I have to point out uh, Klingberg. I, I love what you said about him, but Boy, if anything ever happens to this guy, I think I think this team goes from contending for the division to really struggling to make a playoff spot. That's how important he is to the the functionality of the power play. Uh, the points that he produces is something that no other D man in this roster can can replace. So uh, it would be a, a, an unmitigated disaster. We talked about the dinged up guys on the first line, but I think Klingberg is the, his health is of paramount importance. It hasn't been an issue in the past, but boy, oh boy, if anything happens to that guy, they're in big trouble in Big D, and uh, uh, the rest of the defense not worth mentioning in terms of fantasy upside. Ham Hughes has uh, been noted as a kind of a defensive specialist, a good second uh, pairing guy, and uh, Oduya might be miscast as a first line pairing with John Klingberg. I think they need a serious upgrade here, and you wonder maybe if they'll deal some of that excess offensive skill up front to, to fix that during the course of the season. Uh, in, in terms of the goaltending, I was in a, a I was so much in doubt when I saw this pairing come together at the beginning of last season. We we're talking about two veterans, Kari Lettinen and Antinietti Niemi. This, these guys have both been number one guys throughout much of their career, and they were asked to split the assignment last year, which hurts their value from a fantasy point, uh, game point in the season-long affairs and makes you really have to be concerned about who's starting on a night-to-night basis. In, in your FanDuel plays of uh, nightly play. But uh, in terms of uh, these guys, they also have a lot of money tied up in them. And I'd like to see one of them moved to upgrade this blue line. This is another area where they could trade from a strength to fill in a weakness. And I wonder if we'll see that during the course of the season. That's a definite possibility. As you mentioned, uh, Niemi and Lentinen were one of the few true goalie splits in the league. Uh, each guy made over 40, 40 appearances if you factor in the playoffs. Um, I think part of this, uh, you know, tandem idea comes from the fact that at least last year, neither guy truly stood out enough to claim that number one job. Uh, early indications are that coach Lindy Ruff is set to continue the trend for, you know, 16, 17. And, and I think that could be what holds them back from being a true Stanley cup contender this year. Yeah, I, I can't agree with you more. I think that's, they got to solve that issue and strengthen that blue line. And that'll go a long way to determining whether they can still be a contending team. But they'll be a run-and-gun team. Like I said, one of the fun teams to watch with all that offense anyway. Uh, next team up is a team that is not no, has not been noted as a flash-and-dash team, but a team that seems to always find their way into the playoffs one way or another. And that's the Minnesota Wild, who finished fifth here with a 38-33 record, which earned them the second wild card before they bowed out to Dallas, in fact, in the first round last season. Their forward lines uh, have been strengthened over the last couple of years. They've added some quality there around some pluggers, and uh, it'll look like this. Zach Parise, uh, team leader offensively, he's meshed with Miko Koivu, one of the underrated uh, pass-and-shoot tandems around the league, and and the lucky guy that plays on their right wing, Charlie Coyle. I think this guy scored five or six empty netters last year, which padded his totals too, and uh, it's worth noting late in the game, this guy can get you some cheapies and and pad his goal-scoring he did reach the 20 goal mark last year and he should top it again this year on that unit uh second line features eric Stahl, big name signing i'm not sure they're going to get value for that big name i see this guy on the downside of his career but he's going to be invigorated at least at the start to be able to play with the likes of mikhail granlund and nino niederreiter who for my money is uh uh, a star with untapped potential that may may see a breakout this season i mean he is in the 40 point range right now i could see him getting up to the 60 point range with a would have a bit of a blip and if there's some chemistry with stall it drops off under the third line where they had some pluggers here uh, for years and their uh, names like jason zucker eric Halla, and jason pominville pominville used to be a frontliner in buffalo but gradually has seen his role diminish so don't overpay for name recognition there is one of the tips that i like to give to fantasy uh, season-long players now, in terms of summarizing this group, Rize played in the World Cup, confirming a recovery from back issues that he suffered late last season. Koivu is an underrated playmaker. 
And uh, Coyle is a responsible two-way guy, stalled a big-name addition, but as he passes best uh, before date. And uh, final question, when will Niederreiter achieve predicted stardom? Uh, I wonder if, AJ, you have some of those answers. <laughs> I don't know if I have all the answers there, but uh, I am expecting the Wild to drop down even further in the standings. Uh, I, sh- I share your concerns about Eric Stahl. Uh, while still better than most, I just don't think he's a top-six center anymore. Uh, I look for him to struggle to get 30 points, uh, a little bit of a, a bold prediction there. Um, he has produced in the past, but, uh, you know, he was not that impressive in New York. He was a little miscast there. Um, the, you know, they had him on the wing for a while, but um, not expecting a lot out of him. And consequently, that's going to, you know, Eric Halla could move up to that set, uh, second line sometime before the trade deadline. I do think the one X factor here with this team uh, his new coach, Bruce Boudreau, uh, under the previous regime, the squad really played like a bunch of individuals on the ice together. Uh, Boudreau might just be able to turn them into a team and start to maximize their potential there. On uh, on the defensive side of the puck, uh, you got, uh, you know, Ryan Suter, uh, who, you know, uh, is just one of their, their top guy here, paired up with uh, Jared Spurgeon, uh, Jonas Broden, and Matthew Dumba. And then that last group, uh, Marco Scandella and Mike Riley, you know, and outside of uh, Madison native Ryan Sutter, throw a little plug in there for the hometown. Uh, <laughs> this is a, a it's a young, untested group that that does have some potential. Uh, my my favorite here out of those guys is uh, Matthew Dumba, the 22 year old uh, could be a, a standout among those youngsters and could come close to that 40 point mark especially uh, if his role on the power play continues to grow. Yeah, it's worth pointing out here that Ryan Suter is one of the top guys. In fact, I think he led the league in terms of minutes per game. And they've been grooming Dumba to be a top pairing guy, particularly on the power play. This guy is a booming slapper. That is a nice compliment for uh, Sutter, who likes to dish the puck and move it around. Uh, maybe that's a good, good-looking pairing on that power play. Then uh, Spurgeon is a smallish guy in stature, but also a guy who plays big minutes and and does pile up some points because he can really move the puck around too. Scandella, another guy with a big shot. So they have no shortage of of uh, talented upside on the offensive side of the puck from the blue line but these guys can also play in the defensive end and maybe Dumba's ceiling is going to be only limited by his ability to show uh, that acumen in the defensive zone because this is a guy who has all the offensive skills and he could be among the contenders for the top scoring defenseman in a couple of years and we might see a step in that direction this a real step in this direction this year so that's what I'm looking for from this group uh, AJ in terms of the goaltending tandem uh, Devin Dubnik is a guy every time I see this guy's name I wonder why the heck did Edmonton let him go Uh, it goes as far back as that because even with them he had two very good seasons in terms of goals against average before he took a step backward and they really soured on him quickly but ever since he's wound up in minnesota boy has he been consistent in delivering the goods and and putting up really good numbers for uh, really an underrated defense uh defensive team and and uh the quality that he is as a goaltender he can be backed by darcy kemper who has had injury issues that have kept him from really being a factor in this goaltending mix other than a fill-in so look for dubnik to carry the load here and he could be a guy that threatens the 30 win plateau depending on how how good the rest of this team is in my opinion I'm going to disagree with you just a little bit here, Paul. Um, you know, I, I think even, you know, we mentioned a few other weak spots, their, their third line, maybe uh, some of those other, you know, defenders, whether or not they can, you know, reach their potential. Um, you know, despite some of those concerns, I think goaltending is really what's going to sink this team. Uh, Dubnik completely fell apart against Dallas in the playoffs, put up a 3.34 goals against average and just doesn't seem to hold up under the pressure. Uh, that could be part of the reason why Edmonton let him go. Uh, if I do think if the rest of the team does manage to keep Minnesota in contention, if they're able, you know, if Boudreaux is able to kind of bring them up, uh, they could be looking to make an improvement here at the trade deadline. So it looks like another loony bet here because I think I think more of, of Dubnik uh, than you do, and you're going to lose your membership in the Devin Dubnik fan club, I, I think, <laughs> based on those comments. We'll... Uh, Take a pause from our uh, our outline of this division for a second, though. We want to turn your attention to the fact that we do have a sponsor in FanDuel. And I know, AJ, you and I are getting ready, uh, fans ready for the hockey season here. But our sponsors at FanDuel would like us to, to remind fans that the NFL season is now in motion. 
Fantasy football fans have all the victory every Sunday. FanDuel, fantasy football for everyday fans. New contests starting every week, no busted seasons. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score real time. New this year, there's an upgraded experience where... Uh, you get even more contest variety. Try beginner contests for new players only. Settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head contest. Try a 50-50 contest where the top half win cash. Play in larger tournaments for even more excitement and more money. Play for a dollar. Choices for every budget. Now, AJ, I'm involved in the Rotowire Vegas League, which is a bunch of our pals at the head office with you, and they've invited me along. And uh, I've fared pretty well in this thing on an annual basis. I want to keep my record of making the playoffs every year. And last night I won a a tight battle against one of our pals, uh, Jason Thornbury, and I'm hoping to to chew his ear about that one for a little bit. So I've had a lot of fun with this, and and I wonder what your experience is with the early season so far, and and what are your views in terms of the player news that's out there? Look at uh, every week we're talking about when is Gronkowski going to play? We've got some rookie quarterbacks that are making headlines in the NFC East. So there's lots of uh, neat storylines that are factoring into the early going, and uh, I'm having a ball with FanDuel. Yeah, myself included, um, you know, one of the... The things you mentioned there uh, was the uh, no uh, no season long commitment, no busted seasons. That happened to me this uh, this past week. Uh, went uh, Cardinals heavy in my uh, my RotoWire FanDuel lineup and uh, kind of got shelled by that. Buffalo's defense uh, stood strong for once. Um, <laughs> so yeah, d- definitely really enjoying um, you know the the week to week play there with FanDuel. Um, and, you know, they do have just just a bunch of contests fared a little bit better in baseball this last year than I have so far in football. But uh, just a just a fun time all around uh, that season long Vegas league doing OK. Uh, you know, like my team could use some better performances, um, but certainly not out of it yet. Well, we want our fa- our listeners to have all the fun that fantasy football has to offer FanDuel, be sports rich. There's a special offer right now for new users. Get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. Not only will you get the free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play with on FanDuel. That's over $40 in value for just 10 bucks. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW and enjoy all the fun that FanDuel has to offer. Let's get back into our profiles, AJ. The next team in our... Uh, outlook this week is the Nashville Predators, who are fourth in this group last year with a tw- 41-27-14 record before they opened the playoffs with an upset victory over the Ducks in the first round and then fell to the Sharks in round two. I like the way GM David Poyle has changed this club's identity in recent years. They went from a pretty nondescript group of forwards to some real flash and dash on the front line, and it's moved other people down into where they most more probably should be set up anyway. So I like the fact that he's got a first line that looks like Philip Forsberg, uh, with center Ryan Johansson and James Neal. Two of these three guys were brought in via trade, and Philip Forsberg, a high draft pick that, that they plucked out, out of uh, juniors. And, and I think they're all three a dynamic group, and I'm looking forward to some big scoring totals here. I think that two of these three guys should even top the 30-goal mark. You might see as many as 90 goals from this forward group and, and uh, some big point totals as well. When you think about the Nashville team, you don't think about high-scoring totals, and maybe that's a chance for you in season long to to snap one or two of these guys up in later rounds. But certainly on a nightly basis, they're going to factor into the club's power play as well. And I said they moved down some of the other players who were, used to be frontliners here. Greg Wilson... And Craig Smith, centered by Mike Ribeiro, one of the better puck distributors. He was over 40 assists again last year, and you wonder how he keeps doing it. He's up there in age, closing in on the 35, 36 years old mark. So uh, I wonder if this will be the last kick of the can for him. But uh, Smith and Wilson should both reach the 20-goal mark with this guy dishing the puck, just like they have in the past. And a guy to watch for on the third line here is Kevin Fiala. This guy was a high scorer in junior. They've brought him along slowly. He's going to be pegged for third line minutes to start the season again. But don't be surprised if he moves up into the top six, maybe replacing Wilson on that second line. Callie Yarncroft and Victor Arvidsson are fillers uh, with some offensive upside. 
somewhat defensively responsible. That's why they factor into this mix. And we can't overlook the fact that this club's new captain, Mike Fisher, will factor in as well, maybe moving into that third-line center role if Yarncroft falters or moves over to the wing. There's a lot of moving parts here, some uh, formidable talent on the top line, and uh, don't forget about Ribeiro's ability to dish the puck with the best, elevating those two good uh, two-way wingers. So keep an eye on, on this team. There's a lot of upside, uh, and uh, you might be able to sneak some, some good value out of them in your season-long drafts. What do you, you think, mentioned? AJ? Yeah, you mentioned James Neal there, a, a great addition as a 30-goal scorer. Um, I, I would not take the under on, uh, on that prediction of 90 goals out of that top line. Um, if the, the one concern with James Neal is, uh, you have to be willing to accept the liability for his, uh, penchant for ending up in the penalty box, <laughs> spent 58 minutes there last year, um, drove me nuts in Pittsburgh, um, has the ability to score, but just, you know, tends to make some, some pretty glaring, uh, mistakes when it comes to, to picking up penalties. And, uh, you mentioned it a little bit. I really love the young talent on this team. Kevin Fiala, uh, he led AHL Milwaukee with 50 points last year. He just seems to have the ability to draw defenders to him in order to open up time and space for his linemates. Uh, I'll also mention for all you Dynasty League owners out there, one guy to keep an eye on, uh, Vladislav Kamenev. He, uh, he notched 37 points in the AHL last year, which included eight power play goals. Um, you know, that's, uh, like I said, great kind of dynasty look, uh, for that guy. Things are definitely looking up in Smashville. I, I uh, love that call. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I get to, uh, get to watch him a little bit, uh, you know, with AHL Milwaukee, only a short trip here from Madison. So definitely my, uh, my hometown team outside of Pittsburgh, uh, like Nashville, just watch being able to watch him close to home here, uh, defensively. You know, you've got uh, P.K. Subban arrives in exchange for departed former captain Shea Weber. You know, we talked about it two weeks ago, but I, I truly believe this will go down as a net positive for the Predators. Um, and then with a partner like Roman Yossi, Subban could walk away with the Norris Trophy this year and blow his career high of 60 points out of the water. Um, there's definitely a drop off after that with uh, Matias Ekholm and Ryan Ellis and then Peter Granberg and Yannick Weber. But with how talented that top pairing is, how could there not be a, a drop-off there? What do you see, Paul? Well, I, lo- I like the call that you make on Subban there. This is a really good situation for him because he's been fortunate to play with Andre Markov in Montreal. Roman Yossi is just a younger version of, of Markov, a very skilled guy. He, he's a threat to score on every rush or set up a goal with every rush, it seems. He's ju- just that, such a dynamic player who will emer- he actually emerge from the shadow of Shea Weber even during the course of last season. So it'll be interesting to see if one of the, if they compete for the team leadership here, uh, the way they run the, the club. But uh, if they mesh on that first defensive unit, they could be the best defensive pairing in the league in terms of point scoring. I could see them each topping the 60-point mark. Uh, don't sleep on Yossi. He's a guy that's underrated, if I find, in, in season long. And, and in terms of the uh, nightly play, he's a guy that will log uh, quarterback minutes on that power play. Subban's not a quarterback type. He's a guy that's more of a, a shooter. Uh, so if there's a setup guy and a shooter, it'll be Yossi setting up and Subban doing the shooting with that big clapper of his. And uh, of course, there's a drop off in in terms of the ice time on the power play to a second unit that features Matthias Eckholm and Ryan Ellis. But they're both guys that eat up a lot of minutes. In any case, they'll play upwards of 20 to 25 minutes a night. Top four of this this group is is maybe the top four in the league. I think in terms of quality from one to four, there's a bit of a drop off with Granberg and Weber beyond them. But hey, with how how good that top four is, these guys could be me and you, and I think that'd still be a, a pretty good top six <laughs> defense. Um, in terms of the goaltending. The guy behind all this talent on the blue line is Pekka Rinne, who was kind of dropped off a little bit uh, last year from uh, from being ranked at the beginning of the season with uh, with the rarefied air around Carey Price for my money. Pekka Rinne took a bit of a d- d- drop last season. He did win 34 games, 
but I thought the goals against was a little bit higher than, than it should have been in, in his case. And I look for him to potentially rebound this season. He's going to get a heavy workload again. His backup this time around will be Marek Mazanik. If uh, anything happens to Rene, don't be afraid to put Mazanik in there. This guy's tried and true in the, in the, in the American League and, and I think is a guy that, that can step in. He's uh, the new mold. It seems a lot of teams are run, relying on European goaltending. I don't know what the, what the heck is in the water in terms of the Euro goalies, but certainly see a lot of them coming into the league and you wonder how good this guy can be. And there's even a third guy in the mix that I know you want to talk about. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, Peke Rene is, is the stud here. Uh, 34, 21, and 10 last year, including four shutouts. You know, you did mention a, b- a bit of a drop-off. Fantasy owners probably would like to see that 2.48 goals against average come down a little. And he's certainly capable of that. And, uh, you know, like you said, Merrick uh, Mazenik's going to be the backup at the start. But in my opinion, their true future netminder is still back in Milwaukee. Uh, UC Saros was named uh, to the AHL All-Rookie Team, posted a 29-8 and record, and was fourth best in the AHL in goals against average at 2.24. And one of those three guys ahead of him included uh, Pittsburgh's uh, Matt Murray. So, you know, he's shown that he can be up there, whether he can do it night to night and and at the NHL level um, still remains to be seen. But, you know, for for my money, if if I'm picking a a future replacement someday down the road uh, for Peke Rene, I'm, I'm going UC Saros here. And there you have it from our Milwaukee Admiral scout, A.J. Scholes. Great call <laughs> on that one. We'll keep an eye out. Uh, probably won't hear his name mentioned on any other fantasy shows, but that's why you should be tuning in with us. Uh, we will go over now to the uh, St. Louis Blues. This is a team that is all kinds of dynamite, I think. They were second last year in this division with a 49-29-9 and record finally getting past the first round with a seven-game win over Chicago and another seven-game triumph over Dallas, beating two of the heavyweights in the conference before losing to the eventual Western uh, Western finalist champions, the San Jose Sharks, in six-game series. This is a deep squad uh, that will have a familiar look up front with forward lines that include the likes of Alex Steen, Paul Stastny, and Vladimir Tarasenko on the top line. Steen needs to stay healthy here. This is a guy who's not, not only a team leader, one of the smartest guys in hockey, but boy, he can play the game any way you like and is really underrated in terms of a scoring ability. I think this is a guy who should uh, be uh, circled on your on your prep list because he was limited last year in terms of injury woes. I, I hope he's passed them. He's only 32 years old. I see some lots of lots of life left in him. And he's paired with two other guys. Vladimir Tarasenko obviously is on everybody's radar. This guy had the breakout season last year. And uh, don't sleep on a guy like Paul Stastny, one of the better distributors who's going to make these guys look good on that top unit all kinds of firepower there the drop-off is only slight into the second line where they feature Jaden Schwartz with Yori Laterra and David Perron all three of these guys can fly Laterra is a very good distributor as well it seems like I'm pointing out a lot of uh, puck distributors in this division in the center ice position is very deep in in this particular grouping one of the I think it's the best group in the NHL this division top to bottom actually and uh, Schwartz and Perron uh, speedy guys that could each top the 20 goal mark in a second line role a guy to watch on the third line Robbie Fabry this is a guy who had a spectacular junior career and people are waiting for him to explode offensively and we might see a, a step up in that direction and he could threaten for top uh, top four minutes and and top uh, and if he does get that this guy can get as many as 50 points in my opinion AJ but for now he'll start out with the likes of Vladimir Sabotka and Patrick Berglund on that third unit with a with a big arrow pointing up for me what about your views yeah if I'm building a, a, a top six this is the combination that I would look for um, you've got a point per game talent in in a guy like Tarasenko you know a, a pair of snipers in the form of Schwartz and Perron veteran leadership from Steen and, uh, you know, a, a duo in, in the middle there that can really rack up assists in Leterra and Statsny. Um, you know, that top, that top six is, is just stacked. Um, you know, as you, as you kind of alluded to, uh, my one concern is if Sobotka does not return to the NHL, which, you know, for the next few hours seems to be the case, but the winds could shift here. Um, by the time we're done recording the podcast, it, it could be that he's, you know, going to come back. Um, but if he doesn't, their third line becomes a major concern. Um, they could shift Fabry over to center, um, but then they get weaker on the, lings, the wings there. 
And I just don't think there's any immediate answers, uh, if that happens, uh, that exist within the organization. And I think they'll need to find some assets to trade um, in order to boost that that bottom of their their forward lineup if they can't get that guy to come over. Uh, defensively, uh, another kind of quality quality group of guys. Um, you got Jay Baumeister and Alex Perangelo, who takes over as the 21st captain in their history. Uh, Joel Edmondson and Colton uh, Pareko. And then finally, Carl Gunnarsson and, and Kevin Shattenkirk. And for all the offensive production through their forwards, I do think they're they're lacking uh, some points outside of Shattenkirk, who did register his third consecutive season with 25 points on the you know on the power play. Um, you know the the concern with him is his plus minus rating, which ended at a minus 14 last year. Um, but I guess you know when you have guys like Tarasenko and in those other uh, other forwards we mentioned. You don't really need to worry too much about offensive contributions from the blue line can let those guys focus on on being solid defensively i'm not sure if you agree there or not paul i'm going to disagree just slightly like to use your terminology there's four defensemen here three three defensemen here i should say who are capable scorers uh, in this mix i like pietrangelo Pareko and Shattenkirk to carry the load offensively. Each of them is ca- capable of a 10-goal season. It's just a matter of how many assists can you get. I can see them each flirting with the 40-point campaign. Colton Pareko is a, a real physical specimen. Though. I, I love this guy's all-around game, and he, I think, is the guy that could be the one who breaks out among the, the peers. There's been quite a bit of talk about Shattenkirk being uh, on the trade wires and, and even here in Toronto there's been some overtures apparently made by the Leafs to St. Louis to try and pull him out of there I think it might be related to a salary cap issue that's looming related to his situation but uh, other guys like Carl Gunderson Joel Edmondson and Joel Bo- Jay Bomeister despite the fact he was a Team Canada uh, stalwart none of these guys is scoring type so focus on if you're looking for points it's Pietrangelo Pareko and Shattenkirk in this mix for me uh, the goaltending is where there's an interesting and new story here where Jake Allen finally gets finally gets the role as a as a uh, frontline goaltender, a guy that should play upwards of 60 games, and you can see him creep into the top 10 in terms of goaltending rankings where he shared the role before. Now it's all his, and Carter Hutton is, is merely a fill-in, a uh, typical second-string goalie who's going to be asked to play only 20 to 25 games tops, in my opinion. So uh, we'll finally get to see uh, Allen getting the chance to prove he can handle this load. I think he will, and St. Louis will remain a contending team in this division. Your thoughts? After, uh, as you you know, as you mentioned, Jake Allen's going to be the go-to after trading away Brian Elliott and then uh, signing Allen to that four-year extension worth uh, $17.4 million, General manager Doug Armstrong has officially tied himself and I think his job in St. Louis to the abilities of the 26-year-old there. Um, you know, the, the last time he was a true number one netminder was back uh, in 13-14 with AHL Chicago. Um, and for what it's worth, you know, it, d- it doesn't translate perfectly, but he did put up a 33, 16 and three campaign that uh, included seven shutouts, a point nine two eight save percentage. So he's clearly got the raw talent. You know, I, I don't necessarily uh, foresee this working out poorly for, for Doug Armstrong. It's just going to be whether, you know, he can put it all together. Um, that's that's going to determine their fates, uh, which, as I mentioned, are, are going to be tied together at this point. AJ, we reached our final team in this profile. It's only seven teams we were looking at in this loop, and it's the Winnipeg Jets who wound up last in this division last year with a 35-39-8 and eight record. It's not to say that this team is without talent. They're just in a tough loop, like I said. And I mean, even just like last year, I had a real tough time figuring out where these teams were going to finish because I thought it was so tight. Again, I share that belief, so it's no slight to... All right. Uh, yeah, you know, you mentioned uh, all the talent on this team, and I, I think Jets fans need to give, uh, you know, Coach Paul Maurice a little bit of time here to figure out their line combinations, chief among them, who's going to be the best line mate for, for Patrick Lane. Uh, you know, if the Finn does end up on the, the left-hand side of Mark Sheafley, as you mentioned, uh, he took a big step forward uh, last year. That could be one of the, the most exciting lines uh, to watch in the league, that, that second line there. Uh, when, when you look over to defense, uh, you got Jacob Truba uh, paired up with Dustin Bufflin, 
Tobias Enstrom and Tyler Myers, and then Mark Stewart and, and Ben Sherratt. Uh, the big question mark here uh, comes just yesterday as Jacob Truba announces through his agent uh, that he's not going to be showing up for training camp unless he's guaranteed a larger role. Um, and barring that, wants to be traded away. I'll be honest, I'm, I'm not sure what more he could be looking for. A team used him last year on the power play and the penalty kill. He averaged over 22 minutes per night. Um, so, you know, in each of his last three seasons, the defenseman has, you know, at least 20 points and 40 penalty minutes. So if they do look to trade him, he could fetch a, a pretty decent return value on the trade market. And, you know, at this point, given the uncertainty of what exactly it is that he wants, and there are no guarantees in hockey, um, especially a coaching staff is going to be hesitant to guarantee a guy anything, um, you know, whether it's minutes, whether it's, you know, this role or that role. So I think it's something the organi- organization should and will strongly consider because, um, you know, as I mentioned, there just aren't ways to guarantee a larger role. Um, you know, you'd hate to do that and then have a guy just, you know, play his worst season ever um, and, you know, be concerned about, well, if I slot him down to the second line and he's playing poorly, is he going to suddenly quit on us? So I think at this point the the trade market is looking like the most likely uh, place for him. Not sure what your thoughts are. Yeah, I have a little bit of insight on that circumstance. He's not playing on his more comfortable side of the ice because he's behind a couple other guys in this talented quartet in the top two pairings. And that's been the big issue that came out recently here in the papers in Toronto, where he cites that as, as a real thing that he thinks is holding him back a little bit because he's got to play on his off wing uh, in the Winnipeg circumstance. So I don't know if that's sour, uh, anything more than that, but if it's anything like sour grapes, you can bet they'll ship this guy out early because otherwise there's a lot of talent there in him and he should find a way to mesh with the likes of two skyscrapers like Bufflin and Myers who are two of the better offensive defensemen in turn, as well as two of the bigger physical specimens in the entire NHL so he you know if it was me I'd try to find a work, way to work with these guys they got talent they got size they'll protect me and uh, they got skill and and uh, he should find a, fit, a way to fit in all things being equal but I think he's troubled by the fact that that he's playing on his off offside in terms of the defensive role that they've given him so far I will give a shout out to Ben Sherrod who's a distant relative on my wife's side of the family a little plug for the family there I hope Kathy's happy <laughs> with that and he'll be joined by Mark Stewart uh, who uh, they're a nondescript third pairing though I'll have to say that in the next breath when you consider the offensive upside in these guys but if they can play a defensive shutdown role they'll go away a long way to improving the fortunes of the Winnipeg Jets uh, in terms of the goaltending situation it's a pretty much a three-headed monster here but there was a telltale sign late last season when Andrej Pavlik came back from injury and he came back to play the lion's share of the games down the stretch I wonder if it was just a, an attempt to see whether he was fully recovered from injuries that marred much of his season or whether they really view him as their number one goaltender. Real question mark here for me over the, the trio that includes Hutchison and Hellebuck. Hutchison and Hellebuck in the last two seasons have both got a look-see in terms of extended time when injuries held Pavlik back. And I wonder how this pairing is going to set up and uh, wonder what your thoughts on, are on this trio. I think Connor Hellebuck is the, the best option here. Uh, he was somewhat unused at the World Cup, and you know there's it's a young team, so certainly they're going to have some growing pains. But why not make him part of the the core of this team? Um, I do want to hedge that a little bit. If he's not going to be the starter there, it, I do think it makes sense to you know let him mature his game, um, take on that role of an ed- every night starter with AHL Manitoba. Um, but you know, I, I think he's their really long-term, their best option here and is going to just add to that, that true core of young talent that they've got up there. All right. Well, we made it through our third division here and now it's time to put our money where our mouth is in terms of our predicted order of finish. I'll go first AJ and say that to me, Nashville still looks like the class of this division. As I look at the forecast of this, uh, this group. They, they have talent top to bottom. I want to see a comeback here from Pekka Rinne. They'll be challenged, though, by the likes of the St. Louis Blues, who I think are, again, another team that top to bottom is a very strong unit. Chicago Blackhawks get the third nod. Those are my guaranteed playoff teams. 
Uh, I think Dallas is going to be the one that takes the hit. I wonder about the concerns on the blue line that we highlighted and the fact that they have injury issues. I don't know how serious they are to start the season, but when you got two of your top uh, scorers uh, slated with a red cross beside them in the in the preseason uh, outlooks, that's a cause for concern for me. A team that may threaten them is the Minnesota Wild, a team that will generally be underrated across the board just because aside from that first line of offense they're they're a nondescript unit but they are a very tough team to play against then Colorado and Winnipeg neither one of these teams is a bad club they're just in the wrong division I think they'll battle it out for sixth and seventh spot with Winnipeg uh, getting the Duke in last place and maybe contending for another top draft pick that's not all bad news in Winnipeg if they finish down there again yeah, I'm with you on the top three there. Um, I'm, I'm starting out with Nashville as well. Just a, a great, a great solid team. There, there aren't too many concerns there. Uh, I've got Chicago at the number two spot, and then St. Louis at number three. A little bit of a flip flop there. Um, and then our kind of our big difference here, Paul, is going to be uh, I've got Winnipeg all the way up in four. I, I think they can get that that talent together. Whether or not they make the playoffs, it, you know, will be a big question mark for a wild card spot. But I do think they're going to be uh, significantly better than they were. Dallas, as you mentioned, dropping off a little bit. I've got them at five. Uh, I got Minnesota down in six. Uh, you know, I think it's going to take Boudreau a, a year or two to get everything the way he wants it there. And then Colorado. Uh, in the in the basement here at number seven. Well, I wonder if we're going to anger some of our friends at Rotowire who are Dallas Stars fans by dropping them down. I think no team in our three previews has dropped as far in our predictions from their last year's finish. So I hope we're not making any enemies on the home front there, uh, AJ. Let's uh, wind it up with a look at uh, the stud of the week and the rant of the week in this division. For me, the stud of the week is Jonathan Taves, captain serious. This guy can do it all, AJ, and he already has in terms of a decorated career with the cup wins the international success the junior career he's not even 30 years old and he's he's hit the jackpot with the biggest individual cap hit related to a salary uh, all of that's on this rich hockey resume if this guy quit hockey tomorrow he'd make the hall of fame in my opinion I think, though, he remains motivated to squeeze another year or two out of this core group of decorated teammates who have uh, enjoyed this run with him and make up the heart of this team. So I just love to watch him play, love the style that he brings, and love the quiet leadership, the no-nonsense approach. It's When he scores, it's no big celebrations. He's just the type of player that if you have a kid learning hockey, you tell him, watch Jonathan Taves to see how it's done the right way. This guy is four-star general in terms of hockey leadership, in my opinion, and well worth the nod, in my opinion, again, a stud of the week. Your thoughts here on him? Yeah, there's really not much more to add. He's he's just a, a phenomenal player, um, a great standard bearer for, for the, the team. You know, he doesn't because he is a little bit more of a, a quiet leader. He doesn't necessarily get the the bright lights uh, that you see for guys like Ovechkin and Crosby. Um, but he certainly could be, uh, you know, one of those top you know top guys, uh, both from a character and on ice standpoint. And at the opposite end of the rainbow, we look at the rant of the week. And for me, I alluded to this earlier. And Patrick Waugh, I have to tell you, AJ, and I'm going to upset a lot of Montreal fans by saying this. He's on my all-time jerks team in terms of the history <laughs> of my watching this hockey uh, hockey games over the years. This guy walked out on the avalanche as a coach, just like he did as a player with the Canadians. You can talk about the circumstances that were related in both cases, but when things go his way, he's been there to take all the bows. But when he has struggled, he looks for the dramatic or convenient exit door, and he has done so again in this case. I've not been a fan of his me-first approach. There's no I in team, but there might be in the French version that he speaks. Uh, Throughout his admittedly distinguished playing career, he's been a star on the ice, but it's now my belief that he is this uh, this checkered background uh, has uh, slick, slipped into a, a playoff the coaching core uh, corner of his resume uh, tell me how this guy is a team guy and why he should be employed elsewhere in hockey beyond uh, his experience in Colorado I know he's hoping for a, probably a gig in Quebec City maybe that's the only other place he'll get a job but I just don't like the way he handled himself this summer and uh, leaving his team in the lurch late in the summer when he made this decision you won't get a lot of argument from me on, on anything there. Um, if, if there's one thing to be you know, highlighted from his time coaching, uh, I think that he's shown some uh, willingness and success in, in actually pulling the goalie early. 
you know, as a, as a hockey fan, I, I sit there and watch the clock tick down and tick down and coaches wait until a minute, minute and a half to pull the goalie. And I just don't think it's enough time. Um, so if, if there's one thing that, that walk can hopefully be remembered for, um, it's, you know, his willingness to pull the goalie early and hopefully we can get some other coaches that are willing to do that in order to get that last minute goal. I, I'll give you a nod in that in that call. That's that's a fine point. I agree with you that uh, it makes no sense to wait until the, the late stages. If you got give yourself more time, there's more opportunity. I think. And what's the difference if you get that empty net goal with three minutes left or one minute left? At least you've given your team a better shot with more time on the clock to to get the tying marker. If you should be so fortunate. And that's a fine way to end the show. Uh, our third in the season, series of four uh, preseason previews. We're going to come at you again next week with our final one and remind you, uh, we're focusing on the Pacific Division there, but we'll remind you also that it's your last chance. you got one more week to help us name this show. we got some great options to look at right now and a great prize of one month of free access to the premium side of the Rotowire website. And uh, so that'll, that'll be the way we close it out. So remember to follow AJ at AJ Scholes 24 and you follow me, Paul Bruno at Statsman 22 throughout the hockey season. And we ask you to look out for our hockey pod every week from the, in the regular season. We'll be incorporating guests uh, as well at that point so that you get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contest. So long, everybody. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-Blade Razor and Shave Gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.